Welcome everyone to the webinar, Improving Communications in the Voluntary Return and Reintegration Networks. My name is Camilo Coz and I'll be the moderator for today's session. Um, and I'd like to start with a housekeeping note. If you have any technical problem, please email events at migrationpolicy.org and we'll have a Q&A at the end of the call. Please type any question into the Q&A box or email them um, to events at migrationpolicy.org. This webinar, I should also say, is part of a research partnership between MPI and the German Development Cooperation Agency, GIZ, supported by the German Federal Ministry for Economic Cooperation and Development, BMZ. And I'd like to start with a perspective from Europe, since our guests today uh, are primarily assisting migrants returning from the EU towards Africa and, and Asia. And as we've seen again in the past weeks in Europe, um, voluntary return and reintegration continues to be at the center of what we call a comprehensive approach to, to migration. This idea that for people without the right to stay in Europe, voluntary return reintegration programs offer the possibility to return in a more dignified manner and to access a form of assistance to resettle, access housing, healthcare, education, and to start an income generating activities. This program take on various forms with many different actors involved. And I'm speaking here about programs in Europe, um, but other countries like Mexico also cooperate with the International Organization for Migration and others to conduct return and provide reintegration support. In Europe, the border agency Frontex has recently launched its own Europe-wide program called Joint Reintegration Services, which provide return and reintegration assistance to returning from Europe through non-governmental organizations, NGOs, such as Caritas or, or Weldo. So this, this is a landscape in Europe, and what has stricken me um, in all the conversation we've been having with partners in the past years is really how we communicate about these policies, this program, in Europe, um, in the different EU member states, but also in the countries of origin. What are the goals around this public, you know, the strategy communication, the target audience, and what this means for how policymaker and practitioner approach migrants, but also their family and their broader constituency. Um, and so today I'd like to think through a few questions. Um, first, how European government and their partner communicate about the existence of this program um, with migrants themselves, often a time where they do not wish to return to their own country, do not feel comfortable planning for this new chapter, um, but also how the same government communicate with their own public opinion in Europe at a time that we know um, anything related to migration tend to trigger very, um, very div divisive debate. Another question is how government in Europe and in countries of origin share information with one another about these policies and this program. I've been in many conversations with partners in origin country during which they said they do not know about the new role of Frontex or do not have a mapping of all the voluntary region and reintegration program active in their own country. And in a number of country organizations like IOM, I've thought you know, to raise awareness about return and reintegration among policymakers, local stakeholders, with a series of guideline research um, on what reintegration processes entail, but much remains to be done. And there are also questions about you know, what government in countries of origin are where, you know, when they're aware, how do they even communicate this to their broader, um, to their broader constituency? And with a final question, um, how can public 
communication around return and reintegration assistance for the help returnees and their relative and this highly complex reintegration process um, to fight you know, prejudice that many uh, returnees face upon return. And to discuss all of this issue, I have three guests with me today. Catherine Rambeau, who is a policy officer at the International Unit at the Federal Agency for the Reception of Asylum Seeker Fed Asile, working for the government of Belgium. Frank Ulrich Aldenen-Kumba, who is diplomat in charge of migration affairs at the Cameroonian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And Sijal Aziz, who is a director of the Women Empowerment Literacy and Development Organization, Waldo, in Pakistan. And with, with to, together, I'd like to, to tackle some of the questions I outlined um, before. And I would like first to turn to Catherine Rombo for, from Fedazil, because Fedazil is is the lead agency when it comes to voluntary return and reintegration in Belgium. Um, and it's also the agency that has been the one of the most active in terms of outreach efforts to migrants. So Catherine, if you could speak a little bit about what has been done to better inform migrants and people in Belgium about the existence of the program um, and how Fedazil, as a government entity, as choose to communicate about this different this different component um, and feedback you've gotten uh, about these different activities. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you, first of all, for introducing me and inviting us, uh, Camille, for having these positive words about our work. Uh, I have uh, myself been able to uh, present, be present here today, um, but the biggest challenge will be to present and to respond to all of these questions in only eight, uh, eight minutes. So I will try uh, in this introduction uh, sharing with you the most important highlights as to our points. Um, of course, uh, we feel free to have uh, the Q&A afterwards and even be in contact after this session if, if you would uh, want more uh, details about our work. Uh, but in the highlights, I will come to uh, give a little bit uh, information about the context, about our governance uh, structure. Uh, thirdly, about uh, how we implement uh, this AVRR uh, strategy. And uh, to go very much into detail at the end, uh, the fourth point, I would like to focus on how we do the outreach, why it is done, where it is done, and how it is done. Um, maybe beginning by uh, drafting you a little context, uh, giving you a little context information for those who are not aware that uh, Belgium has a specific situation when it comes to uh, uh, return uh, programming, since uh, Fedazil is responsible for the voluntary uh, return only, and forced return is carried out by the immigration office. So both are uh, in different mandates, and this separation actually helps uh, in our in our views helps to safeguard the voluntary nature of the program um we feel very uh, important um to have set up since uh, a lot of years now uh, a, a, a governance structure where we strive for the whole of government and a multi-governance approach um, this to us is very, very important, and we feel that uh, the AVRR program um, is centrally governed at national management level, 
but uh, on the other hand, decentrally implemented. So these, these, these aspects are key to the organization uh, or the, the implementation and the creation of our program. Uh, what I mean by that is that FEDASIL coordinates the program at national level by centrally managed governance as it comes to policy design, communication, um, support of general services, management funding, monitoring and evaluation. And FEDASIL does so uh, by a, a long-standing, more than 10 years standing cooperation with two of our reintegration partners that are IOM and Caritas. Um, with them, we, we, make, we are able to make the bridge uh, from the country in, in Europe, Belgium, to the country of origin. And we co-create or collaborate uh, along the whole uh, process or the different phases, uh, starting from the pre-departure phase to the post-arrival phase. Um, but uh, this is this is the, the key is that the AVR program is also decentrally implemented in in Belgium, and we understand by this that it is adapted to specific realities on the ground or specific context on the ground, adapted to the target group, and so um, created case by case uh, management. Um, in the implementation, we put a lot of efforts in uh, the, the, the collaboration with different uh, partners and different stakeholders. So we strive for a whole of society or a multi-stakeholder approach, uh, both in Belgium and in, in country of origin. And specifically in Belgium, we strive uh, involving as many partners as possible. So this can be civil society, municipalities, other authorities directly involved uh, or in contact with the target audience. And we strive at uh, guarding or maintaining this cooperation uh, with the permanently involved stakeholders by, for example, uh, offering trainings or organizing events uh, to disseminate information on the Avodar program, especially when changes to the program are to be made. For example, at this point, uh, the, the current Frontex GRS developments. Um, but also a brief note on how we do this outreach on, on AVRR. Um, as I said, uh, three key questions here are why do we do it? Um, where do we do it? And, and which information uh, is passed on? Um, as, to, as to the point of why do we do it? What is the strategy? What are the guiding principles uh, for the Belgium uh, program? The first one is to, um, the, key, the key guiding principle is to be able to raise awareness about the program, we feel. Um, before migrants are aware of the AVR program or are aware of the option that uh, AVR exists, they first have to be made aware of its of its existence. So we first have to find a way to reach them and to inform them about, about the program. So granting accessibility to the program, and this we feel uh, importantly by national coverage, is, is key. We also feel very important that we have to analyze the profile of the beneficiary because uh, for us, uh, we have, for example, uh, beneficiaries uh, in, in, in the reception centers or other beneficiaries uh, in irregular stay. And these different profiles really need different approaches in the communication strategy. Um, we also feel a key a guiding principle is uh, the informed choice. 
So as a counselor, we feel that we need to be transparent and complete in the information that we provide to the beneficiary uh, and uh, explain actually all the risks and advantages and disadvantages of every single option uh, in uh, and, and, and embed AVRR in a wider spectrum of all topics. So both uh, asylum procedure, illegal stay, AVRR. Um, as to we uh, to support the, the the beneficiary into the decision making process because the, this uh, at the end is a responsibility of the migrant and so we also feel a key guiding principle that there should always be a possibility for the migrant to uh, up to drop out of this AVRR choice without consequences. Um, where we uh, uh, inform our uh, um, beneficiaries, um, we adapt for this, we have adapted or created a multi-level approach because we felt that uh, we, we had to focus on many different aspects uh, of the, of the real reality in Belgium. We first uh, have uh, the communication within our reception network where we have the return path um, about the possibility of voluntary return uh, and uh, through which we inform uh, on key moments uh, via the social worker about the possibility of, of a voluntary return. Uh, this is our primary uh, target group, let's say, but actually outside the reception network is uh, the second uh, big target group. And this target group is actually more challenging to reach as we do not automatically meet them in the reception centers. And many of these people uh, are in irregular status and want to stay actually on, under the radar. So for this, um, even bigger or even can be even as big we have uh, created uh, uh, the project which is uh, probably well known the reach out project um, but we also have uh, our five return desks uh, and our iom partner network to be able to uh, offer national coverage uh, next to that, very importantly as well, is the creation of the, the Cornex network, uh, which is a network of local partnerships. So actually um, a network of partnerships with local municipalities and civil society, uh, where they have the responsibility to inform, refer and pick up signals from the field. Um, I, will, I will pass on the last point, and that is how this information is shared, the rich information is shared. I think there was something that Camille also wanted us to, 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 to tell something about. Um, as I said already, we it's really important to offer correct and complete information as from the de pre-departure point to the post-arrival stage. So we make the beneficiary acquainted with the reintegration partners. Um, at a certain point, we are also transparent about the amount the reintegration support uh, uh, will have, um, but we do this in uh, incremental incremental communication. So we, uh, we 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 adapt this information, the amount of information, and the the way of uh, addressing the person according to the profile of the migrant. So we do this really case by case. Um, in this, we use customized communication tools, which help us to spread and support the message. And we are very uh, uh, um, focused on, on, on uh, having an expectation management, uh, not only to communicate on success stories, but also uh, bringing bad stories to bring a realistic uh, view of the, of the, of the AVR program. 
I think my last point, and I'm sorry if I uh, had a little bit more time, is um, last point we really feel important in how we uh, share our information is to counter the resistance. So we feel, sometimes we feel resistance in uh, directly with the target group, but also very importantly is the resistance we feel um, uh, in the wider uh, wider public. So Belgium actually is an internally divided country in terms of politics and views on migration. We have right wing uh, Flanders and left wing Wallonia. So it's very um, it's it's an, it's a difficult exercise for us to balance between uh, both. And so perception on the AVRR program in Belgium has not always been uh, um, easy or sometimes even miscellaneous. So we feel really important to embed the AVRR uh, program in a broader perspective of future options uh, for us to be able to counter opposition around the topic and to gain entry uh, to certain civil society stakeholders. Um, I think that was the the most the, the the point I wanted to make. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Catherine, um, for this overview of the approach of Fedazil to to outreach to the migrants who could be interested in in joining voluntary return and reintegration. As you said, um, the importance of decentralization, involvement of NGO municipalities, and this incremental um, approach, um, and while while also uh, managing expectation as to the, the support provided. Um, and, and now that you've provided us this perspective from, from Belgium, um, I'd like to turn to Frank Ulrich, who is diplomat in charge of migration affairs um, at the Cameroonian Minister of Foreign Affairs and has been involved in many conversations about voluntary return and reintegration from Europe, but also other regions of, of the world. And Frank Ulrich, we've heard from Catherine you know, how Belgium communicates about voluntary return and reintegration program. And I was interested in, in shifting this perspective and asking you as a representative of, of the government hosting returnees, how national authorities communicate about this voluntary return, um, their cooperation with European government on, on this topic in this area and reintegration programs more broadly. Okay, thank you, uh, Camille, to give me the floor. Uh, I first want to thank uh, Catherine, Rambaud, Sija, Aziz, Wedlo. I hope that uh, the pronunciation is uh, okay to be part of this uh, important panel. So my presentation is going to directly uh, to the, the government of Cameroon and communication on voluntary return and reintegration program. You know, the the aim of my topic is uh, in three parts. First of all, uh, we have to present the talk of government communication on voluntary return and reintegration program. Secondly, we have to identify the different challenge of this. And uh, in the third position, I'm going to present uh, some of the effort made by the government about uh, discrimination against migrants. So, uh, as you know, since uh, 2017, Cameroon uh, has been faced with the need of organizing the return of thousands of compatriots in an irregular situation abroad. To date, we have uh, 5,000 compatriots from the Mediterranean route who have benefited from the voluntary return and reintegration program run jointly by Cameroon and its partners. 
However, they are still Cameroonian uh, in an irregular situation around the world, including more than 3,000 in Cyprus. Then you have the same number uh, in Mexico right now. So uh, in response of uh, this new situation, the government of Cameroon has uh, undertaken to include this section of the population in existing national return and reintegration program while adopting uh, them to the specific needs expressed by these returnees. In this respect, and with a view uh, to the success of this arrangement, which had to come the phenomenon of migration informing the target population, that means returning migrants, remains an uh, essential challenge. It is therefore important to consider the scope and effectiveness of government communication and return and reintegration issue. In other words, are the target population aware of the program developed for their benefits? So you have the government communication, Cameroon has around 10 uh, return and reintegration program, the implementation of uh, which for the, the remit of various sectoral administration whose actions are coordinated by the Ministry of External Relations. As a first result, the communication method used is very uh, often, uh, let's say that institutional. More especially, each ministerial, each uh, ministerial department involved is responsible for defining appropriate measures to ensure that the initiative undertaken are published, not only to user, but also to partner organization. In this context, the communication tool mobilized most often consists of the publication of memo, harassment campaign, harm at target uh, audience, the production of communication media, such as flyer, or poster and the use of some social network. But in Ministry of External Relations, we have a Facebook platform, uh, Twitter, with the two uh, major platforms you use to, to communicate about those different programs. Then in the second part, you have the relay challenge. The main challenge in the development of uh, the UN5 national strategy for the dissemination of voluntary return and reintegration program, whether initiated by the government of Cameroon or proposed by foreign partners. Other problems include, first, the difficult coordination between the player involved, so the different parties. Second, the lack of effective monitoring and evaluation of returnees the lack of appropriate financial and logistical resources, and insufficient qualified human resources. That brings us to the, the third part, with the, the prospect uh, for improvement. 
by way of perspective, it may be useful to first involve the migrant state of origin in the design of return program to improve communication. It's important to us because this cooperation would make it possible to ensure that the objective design by each party are achieved. We have to, to draw up a public for reintegration of returning migrants. This policy could set out the issue involved in its implementation, specify the objectives of, identify the different players involved, define the implementation channel and a monitoring and evaluation system. We have to, to relaunch discussion of effective communication of program while adapting them to current challenge. Find alternative source or resource of funding for the program and to build a capacity of staff involved in implementation returns program. That's the main challenge. Then uh, as you, you all know, in Cameroon, we have uh, the National Commission for Bilingualists and Multiculturalists who is currently conducting a vast campaign against the discriminatory act, including hate speech. Although it is not necessary end at uh, returning migrants, its objective is to contribute to improving knowledge and the desire to live together among the Cameroonians of all categories. So Camille uh, is going to stop here my presentation. Then uh, we can give uh, more and more education in the PIA sector. So thank you for your kind intention. Thank you very much, Frank Ulrich, for this useful overview. And I think outlining how the government has been involved, the different approaches and all of the challenges that, that you've been facing. And on this, uh, I'll turn to our final panelist, um, Tijal Aziz, who is, as I said, the director of Weldo in Pakistan. And Tijal has a wealth of experience in reintegration activities. Uh, she's worked in this area for many years with various partners, um, including Frontex most recently. And I'd like to ask her about her experience regarding communication on voluntary return and reintegration. Um, and from the perspective of a civil society organization, how you think about this public communication, uh, if you even have a strategy, uh, who are the target group, what are the key messages, and whether there are also limitations as to how you communicate or who you're uh, trying to reach out to. Yes, thank you so much, Camille. And uh, uh, my regards to uh, Catherine Rombots and Frank Ulrich as well. I hope I pronounced the names right. Uh, so uh, regarding the communication, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a problematic issue when when you're uh, working with attorneys, because your your target group is very small as compared to the communities. So you have to keep your uh, message very targeted to the returnees and make sure that the community doesn't hear that message in terms of having, you know, the returns and integration program as a tool for going abroad because they will know we will be coming back anyway through the returns and integration programs. So you, you have to keep that communication very targeted. We cannot publicize the returns and integration programs very much 
uh, because we don't want to encourage upstream migration, uh, Ill, uh, sorry, upstream irregular migration, because we don't want returnees to go abroad, knowing that there is a program through which they can come back. Uh, we'd rather target the, the people in Europe, uh, specifically for the GRS project, uh, so that if they want to come back to Pakistan, uh, we can provide them with the information uh, that, uh, that is available. Uh, how we like to, what are our target group for this communication? So one of the target group is definitely the returnees who have come back. Uh, the second target group is the returnees who have come back earlier and who have set up their businesses. Uh, the third target, target group is the families of the returnees uh, who have been reintegrated, reintegrated into the Pakistani society. So we like to focus on these three target groups. Uh, why the returnees who have come back earlier? Because uh, sometimes uh, they can assist the returnees who have just come back into Pakistan in setting up their business. So I'd just like to quote a little example here. So one of our returnees wanted to set up a fishery, uh, a, a fishery with the reintegration assistance that he had received. Now, during that particular time, we could not find any fishery consultants and the returnee also could not find any fishery consultant who can help him uh, uh, make that fishery farm there in his in his uh, town. So what happened is there was already a returnee who had come back two years earlier uh, to Pakistan uh, from France uh, who had set up a fishery plant and whose fishery plant was, uh, sorry, farm was running very nicely uh, and making a good profit. So we put that returnee who had just come back in touch with the other returnee and he assisted them throughout the process. Like from the very first day of what to do, how to do, which license to, uh, to get, and whatever is involved in the fishery, until the very last uh, day on which he was able to start running that project there on his own. So that is why we say involving the returnees who have already come back is very important uh, with the returnees who have uh, just come back. And the family is very important in Pakistan. Uh, and by family, I don't mean blood relatives. I mean uh, your your cousins, your extended cousins, because we have this. A joint family system here in Pakistan, where in one household you'll find, uh, you know, the you you'll find your brother living there with his wife. You'll find your own wife living there in the household. You'll find your uncle. You'll find your aunt. So involving the, those family members is like providing the assistance to a returnee in his city. I would say it's not a home; it's a whole city in itself, where the returnee has to come back. You know, has to live throughout the day. Uh, uh, come back from his job and then be there, come back as for business from and be there and talk to those people because that's that's part of the regular culture in Pakistan. So we like to involve the uh, family members as well into this. Uh, so I would say for, for, for our outreach efforts, we have to be very, very, uh, you know, careful uh, so that we don't, uh, people in Pakistan don't use it as a tool, as a tool to uh, migrate abroad irregularly. Uh, the goals, uh, I would say, for the outreach are definitely to provide better assistance to the returnees so that they are able to reintegrate into the society King returns and integration in 2009. A good example that would tell me what is a sustainable uh, reintegration. So how would I define it is a returnee living here in Pakistan uh, not just sustainably uh, reintegrated economically, but also uh, he's able to enjoy his life with his family as well. 
So uh, our goal is to achieve that sustainable reintegration in terms of economic reintegration, in terms of psychos reintegration uh, and psych social reintegration, and also cultural reintegration, uh, because it, it matters a lot here. Uh, what I mean, th these are some of the things and what Weldo has been doing since 2009, it's been working on uh, different returns and integration projects. Uh, we have so far worked with over 12,000 returnees. Uh, we have started, we started working on the very first ARI project, then ARIN, then ARIN SA, then ARIN SAP, then the latest, uh, then ARIN Slow Track, then the latest ARIN. It takes a lot of effort to remember all those ARINs. So it's it's like uh, throughout the throughout the returns and integration programs, uh, what I feel is different as compared to the previous projects with the GRS projects is GRS is very dynamic, and I feel that it is important that uh, reintegration partners uh, back in their countries of origin are able to set up communication uh, with the potential returnees who want to come back to Pakistan, for example, in our case. Uh, because that information will assist the returnees in making an informed decision to come back. So outreach from a, a, a service partner's point of view is more important for the people who are living there in Europe who want to come back or who are interested just to listen to uh, some of the programs that we have to offer rather than the people who are here. Here in Pakistan, the, the outreach has to be limited to the returnees uh, who have just come back, the returnees who have come back sometime earlier, and the family members of, of that particular returnee. Thanks a lot, Sijal. Um, I'll just specify that Erin um, is a European, used to be a European-wide region reintegration project for, for audience that is not uh, that is not in Europe and not familiar with, with this program. Um, and thanks, Tijal, for outlining this different target group um, for your communication action, what you've been thinking about in terms of outreach, and especially on this direct engagement with, with returnees. Um, and as we close, um, I think we've heard about a few tension in Belgium between different regions sometime, in Cameroon with difficulty connected to resources, and in Pakistan, um, with a sense uh, that broader outreach might contribute to encourage people to migrate irregularly, but on the other end, the need for people to know that this is happening and to also engage with, with families and with, with broader communities. Um, I'd just like to end um, with each of you, if you could um, share one concrete recommendation that, you know, moving forward, Sijal, you've, you've already mentioned one, um, Frankulik as well, but Catherine, over over to you. Um, what do you think could be could be done to uh, improve? You know, both in terms of the outreach to the people who need to know that this program actually exists, but also the whole social cohesion around returning coming back uh, to their country of origin, but also uh, the constituency in Belgium or other country as to the existence of of these programs. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um... I will repeat what what I had already uh, brought up in my in my in my first uh, uh, point. Uh, I think the, the the biggest recommendation we could make is that to make the the governance uh, a whole of government and a whole of society approach. Because in this way, I feel uh, it is it is possible to tackle different aspects of the of the problem of the problems of the problematic um and so specific recommendations uh we would propose is um um 
offering tailored cultural sensitive approach, um, but also as, as has been said before, embedding it into a broader approach of, of counseling on future orientations, because um, we really, really uh, feel a resistance when we uh, target uh, beneficiaries uh, who are not uh, who are not convinced of the, uh, the 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 path of voluntary return at that moment, and we really feel that they have a, a wall in front of them, and they really block this communication. So first of all, make contact with the with the target group, and see how in which way uh, you could assist in 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 giving them information, referring them to different uh, uh, instances in Belgium, and then at what point uh, AVRR becomes an option at that point, bringing the AVR, AVR topic to the table. Um, that would, would be for me. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Frank-Ilric and Sijal, if you have a point to add uh, before we move to, to Q&A. Okay. So, uh, I mean, from, from our point of view, what we have experienced over the years is returning-centered programs are very important. Because, you know, returnee is uh, not a community. Returnee is not a social network. Returnee is a person who is, who's come back to, for example, Pakistan on a micro level. He's setting up a business on micro level. So uh, social programs aimed at the community development should be there, definitely. But they don't assist the returnees right away. So with the returnees, you have a vulnerable group that needs to be assisted right away. Uh, we cannot wait until the society around the returnee develops and then the society can help them uh, develop as well. So programs uh, that run in parallel to the returns and reintegration programs that are already there are, are very good in our experience. Uh, for example, we had a program in which the returnees were coming back, then there was a separate program running on the side. Uh, which provided them with the option to get technical and vocational education and training and uh, job promotion, not as a part of a single program, but as a separate program. So when you have two parallel or three parallel programs running, every program will have its own goals. Uh, you can allocate staff to that particular goal. You can allocate uh, resources to the, those tasks. So it works a lot better if there are uh, uh, par parallel programs or if one program is divided into subcategories in which you know two or three options for the returnees are uh, running uh, in, in parallel. Also, I've been hearing it over uh, nearly all the sessions I've been attending of referral networks. So I, I really am unable to understand what referral networks. We don't have a single network in Pakistan that can help or assist the returnees. Uh, we don't have job promotion agencies. Uh, we don't have government-run loan programs. We have some loan programs that are being run by the banks, and they rarely give any uh, loan to the returnees who have come back to Pakistan, unless and until they mortgage their property, which in the first place they don't have because they have gone out. Uh, so the the it's overrated. I mean, when we put referral programs in any of the project proposals or in any of the uh, of the reintegration program, it's literally just saying just put that to the referral programs, let referral programs take care of it. And it, there's no actual consideration for where the returnee is going to. So we have to take our focus off the referral programs and really see what the referral programs we want, uh, what we want uh, the referral programs to do and how we can actually do that instead of the referral networks or the referral programs. So 
I mean, this is strictly speaking from the point of view of Pakistan. So these are, I mean, some of the things that I would like to happen in my utopia, but so far they are not happening. I mean, some of them are, some of them not. Thanks, Sijal. And yeah, I think the, the conversation about the referral and, and I think also how we communicate about the existence of these referral pathways in a number of countries. So if a returnee goes back, receive assistance from Waldo, IUM or Caritas, and then could be referred to another organization or public institution to, to receive additional assistance. Things is very much depend on the situation in, in the country. Um, and there's been a lot of efforts in other country to build this referral system, but understand um, that in Pakistan, that, that wouldn't be um, so relevant. For Kilrika, I, I turn over to you for some uh, from some final words on uh, what in Cameroon uh, you would like to see more of around this communication efforts. Okay, thank you, Camille, uh, to give me that support. But I want to say the, the same thing, uh, thing, but the special recommendation of, for Cameroon uh, is to, to see about how we communicate about those programs. Because those programs include people who are living in some country, then they have to go back to the country of origin. So if we need a, a real communication, as we said, we have to involve the, the state of origin in the design of the return program. The different programs, especially in the program who are uh, elaborate from the Europe, because we will receive program you know, from some state of the European Union, but there's uh, some, uh, how they call it, in French, we, we talk about decalage. Hmm? We have to create some link between the program, what proposed, and the reality of the file. So that's the the principal recommendation about uh, the, the Cameroon, thank you. Thanks, I think that that's actually quite a common problem that um, either national authorities, but also major civil society organization are not always aware of, of all the voluntary return and reintegration programs that are active in in the same countries. Um, and that's, yeah, that's a dynamic that's that's been at play over and over. Um, but I'd like now to turn to uh, to you for some question from from the audience. And please, uh, if you want to add in the Q and A, um, please add. You can type your your question. Um, add a first question for you, uh, Catherine. Actually, two. Um, one is whether you had um, you had data on what happens in terms of lively in terms of food security. Sorry um, for returnee uh, once they say go back to their country of origin and then a second question on how and, and that's I think for Frank Ulrich as well on how you work with consulate and embassies uh, in Belgium to share information um, about the existence of this program yes I will tackle the first question first um, because I think that the answer can be brief I am not uh, the expert on data uh, on this point um, I can pass it on to my colleague but um, I I am not aware of uh, very specific uh, data on this on this on this aspect I think the most uh, elaborated data we have uh, on the of course we we take we 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 um, 
collect data on the part of the post-arrival phase, but uh, this the most data is collected uh, through the the, the Riyadh uh, process, um, and I'm not aware of very specific data on this on this topic. Excuse Catherine, me, Catherine. Do, do you want to explain what Riyadh is? Because I think we have partners who are not <laughs> familiar. <laughs> with you you may if you want to. Sure. I mean, this is a system that European partners are using uh, on both sides. So CGEL, for example, um, has been using it. And this helped govern like partners in Europe and partner on the other end, service organization that uh, to share information about each caseload. Uh, so that's a case management, uh, that's a case management tool. Mm -hmm. um, and do you want to comment on, on your work with consulate and embassies? Mm -hmm. This is a very important point, and I, I'm, I'm very happy that it has been raised because I, I haven't been able to address it myself. Um, this is something we still tackle uh, with ourselves. Uh, we have uh, done uh, efforts in the, in the past, and we still continue to do efforts. Uh, but we feel that this is a continuous work in progress, let's say. Um, uh, not only because every consulate uh, has its own reality, uh, has its own uh, yeah, context to 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 uh, take uh, take into consideration. So this actually um, asks for uh, a different uh, approach. But I but. Um, we have been addressing uh, embassies. We are regularly in contact with uh, different embassies. Of course, we uh, we prioritize the embassies that are uh, um, uh, like priority countries for us, um, and we uh, we think it's very much very important to have this uh, contact to be able to inform them about on the one hand our program, but also to to get in touch with them and to see how we can uh, have mutual benefits for them and for us and to exchange on information. Um, and I, I really, I was uh, very um, happy the, about uh, Sichal bringing the point of this uh, misuse sometimes of this information uh, uh, when outreaching in the country of origin. Uh, so this is this kind of information uh, would be uh, very important as well for the consulates to, to give to us or to bring to us. Um, so we uh, to to wrap up this question, we are doing this. We are um, uh, tackling mostly uh, priority countries because of uh, time-consuming uh, efforts, but uh, we feel it's really important to to do so, and also um, to explain uh, the benefits and the goals of our AVR program, as 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 also um, to make sure that our. Um, AVRR information is not misused for other purposes, for example, for false returns, readmissions. So these these points are also very important to address with uh, uh, or to exchange on with uh, consulates and embassies. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Frank Ulrich, can I ask you to comment on that? Because I assume you're working very closely with the consulate of, of Cameroon in Europe. You mentioned Mexico, Cyprus. Um, how how do you work with them and what kind of information can you share? Okay, thank you, uh, Camille, to give me the floor one more time. But I want I want to know uh, is uh, the consulate of Cameroon or is the consulate or the ambassador? Um, of the I'm talking country? the consulate of Cameroon. So the consulate of Cameroon in Cyprus, in Belgium. In Mexico, how would you say that they engage with with 
you know, nationals who may wish to return or may face a situation that lead to, to their voluntary return. Okay, that's good. But first of all, uh, we have to know that we cannot do that work without our embassy or our consulate abroad. Because when we are informed that there are some Cameroonians who are in irregular situation, the first communication is doing by our embassy, by our external service. Then those consulate or those embassy inform back the Ministry of External Relations to the situation. So when we are informed, what we try to do, some people uh, as Cypriots send us a list of presumed Cameroonians. So when we check the list, we send the list to the, yes, the, the police to be sure that those people who are present as Cameroonian are really Cameroonian. That's the first thing. So when we have done that work, we send back the list to our embassy to communicate with the state, we send us the list at the first time. So when that job is doing, the second thing we have to do is to be sure that those people have, uh, how they call it, a uh, passport, or if the passport is still uh, in use, or if uh, the passport is not in use, we have to doing for those people some uh, type of laissez passer So those documents is going to permit those people to go back to Cameroon. So the is the role of our embassy or the consulate there. I take uh, some example in Belgium, is our embassy in Bruxelles who have to deliver the laissez passer After we are sure that the potential returnees are really Cameroonian. So we, we have to, uh, to work closely without uh, that structure. We cannot do a complete work. We cannot do a real work about the return if we are not include our embassy and our consular abroad. Thank you, Camille. Thank you very much. And I'll, I'll turn to Sijal um, with two questions. One is um, whether you've been able to track the sustainability and the effectiveness of AVR program over time, over five years, over 10 years, or what you think um, would be needed to do so. Um, and then also if you've been, you know, if there's been um, organization, you know, um, that are connected to uh, religious organization, I mean, religious organization that have been involved in assisting returnees um, in, in Pakistan. Well, uh, regarding the sustainability, uh, all the projects that we have implemented so far uh, only provide, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the contact with the returning up to one year. But since we are also uh, working with the returnees ever since the first day, the, the very first returnee we, we uh, received, therefore we are uh, gathering information on how, how successful the sustainability was. Uh, this information uh, depends mostly upon when the returnee has come back to Pakistan, 
uh, which uh, which uh, business uh, or which which other area did he or she invest their integration assistance into? Uh, how have they wrapped up that business? Did they open another business in that uh, after wrapping up the business that they opened with their integration assistance? Uh, how uh, how supportive has the family been uh, to the returning who has come back to Pakistan? Have they faced any discriminatory issues uh, from their family members, from their neighbors, from, from other members that has made the returns and integration process uh, problematic for them? And whether they want to return back to Europe or some other countries, do they feel that they can still live in Pakistan and you know continue with whatever they have started? So it, it all depends upon their different types of returnees. Some of them have already gone back, uh, but not specifically to the European countries, to the Middle Eastern countries. Uh, some of them have start, who had started their businesses, then decided like after two years or three years that that business was not working and another business was working so what happened in that case is they they sold that business but eventually uh, bought the other business started the other business with the uh, investment that they uh, they had received uh, with the money that they had received after selling the first business uh, some of them are of course very successful so it, it's a mixed cup so some of them started with a single business and then they are now operating two or three businesses that are closely associated uh, for example, one person started a meat business, a meat processing plant, and uh, first he started with the buffaloes and and cows. Then he added the the we, in Pakistan we call it beef and mutton. So then he added a mutton uh, side to it, and now he's also operating a poultry. So it's it's a mixed bucket. You cannot say for sure that they have been sustainable because some of them have not been. So uh, you cannot say for sure they have not been sustainable because some of them are really very well placed. And for those returnees who really want to go back to Europe, you really cannot provide them with any assistance uh, that will help them reintegrate into the Pakistani society so that definitely go back to Europe. And you can uh, allocate like 5 to 7% of the returnees who will go back to Europe in any case. So sustainability is there. Uh, but the chances of sustainability are increased with our integration programs. Uh, once there is an organization here who can provide them with the assistance of setting up a business, uh, lead them throughout the process, then definitely the chances of sustainability are increased. Uh, the same, for example, the same returnee has paid uh, an agent to go abroad. He had more money or similar amount of money. I mean, I, I would say more money. He had more money that he paid to the agent when he went abroad than the money that he had received to come back uh, to, reintegr uh, to reintegrate into the Pakistani society. So why was he not able to work something out with more money that he already had? Uh, because there was nobody helping him uh, invest his uh, money into a good reintegration program. But once they come back, they, they find out that there's an organization that can help us and assist us, assist us throughout the process. There's somebody who will be calling up and asking me about it. So the chances of sustainable reintegration increase. So I, I wouldn't say 100% of, uh, of them are sustainably reintegrated. I, I'll never say that 5 to 7% go abroad to Europe. Uh, 10 to 15 or even 20% go to Middle Eastern countries. Uh, you are left with the remaining. Some of them will be sustainably reintegrated. Some of them will not be sustainably reintegrated in Pakistan. And the second question was, uh, 
how the religious organization yeah i i think i'll just move to a final question to Catherine, and then i'm afraid we we need to close uh, if that's okay um <laughs> Catherine, i just wanted to raise a, a final question that that i think several um several participants have, have asked regarding the pushback um you know the public resistance to this reintegration program the fact that sometime uh donor and you know have been happy with the way this program were but yet this program keep being criticized by public opinion, sometimes by civil society, um, you know, from a donor perspective, uh, which I think is, it's a little bit worth it as you'll stand. Um, what's your take? And, you know, are they alternative approach or how do you counter this, um, this critique? It's a difficult, you kept the most difficult question to the end, I think. Um, <laughs> so I will not be able to respond it hundred percent. I will try, uh, bringing my my point of view um i think um we are convinced that it's um it's a work that constantly asks energy motivation explanation uh co-creation cooperation with partners all uh, all present here today so therefore I think these kinds of uh, events uh, help shedding a light uh, from different perspectives on, on, on for us, uh, how rich this uh, topic of AVRR and reintegration is and can be, uh, and, and what work needs to be done on this topic. So um, I think that is our, our motivation or our uh, goal to, to, to keep on explaining, to keep on responding, to keep on um trying to show the good the good the good the good uh good examples and bad examples and always um having the migrant in mind and 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 um explaining to all possible uh, uh persons or instances who are opposed to this program that for every case or for every person um the AVR, the AVRR uh, uh, assistance has done something. We hope something, something good, a little, a little help, a little, a little, a little uh, solution at one point at a time. Um, and therefore, uh, we keep we keep engaging with the with the partners in the countries of origin. So we are very happy to have this kind of opportunities. Um, and I hope. Um, We'll be here for uh, for many many more years uh, to come. Thank you, thank you very much, Catherine, and and thank you everyone for this very interesting question uh, session um, on a topic that you know remains to be further explored. Are so many different layers, so many different um, objective target group approaches. Um, I wanted to thank you also, our three speakers, um, but also uh, say thank you to my colleague Lisa Dixon uh, for all her support in organizing this event. Um, an audio and a video recording will be available on our event website. Uh, for reporter on the call, you have the contact of her colleague Michel Mittelstadt um, if, if you have any question. And please check out the related reports and research um, that are all available on our website and are part of a partnership with, with GIZ and BMZ.